Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Next Chapter with myself, your host, Gabe Baltier. Guys, I hope everyone's doing well. Everyone is staying safe. Before we get into today's episode, just a couple of quick reminders for you guys. Wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, please hit that follow slash subscribe button. We love the listens you guys give us. We love the support. So please hit that follow slash subscribe button. With that being said, guys, today we have a very special guest coming on the show. She is one of my mentors and is actually an advisor and professor at the school I go to at Ithaca College. She is someone that has given me a lot of inspiration, and she is someone that is just an amazing person, has so much good stuff to say. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Ellen J. Strowski is coming on the show today. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ellen J. Strowski. So welcome, Ellen, to the Next Chapter Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on the show. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And Gabe, it's such an honor to be sitting with you this morning. So thank you so much for this invitation. Yes. So for the listeners, do you just want to give a little bit of, of background of what you do and, and kind of how we met? Um, yeah, well, we met through Ithaca College. Um, you're a sports media major at Ithaca, and um, yeah, among the many blessings that I have is that I get a chance to work with students like you in an advising role, um, as well as um, my role as a professor. Um, so that's how you and I came to meet. Um, in terms of my career in higher education, um, I've been in it now for four decades plus, um, and uh, uh, I've had numerous roles um, starting out as a coach and then moving into um, being an athletic director um, and then eventually becoming a professor. Um, so uh, so I've, I've, had a, I've had quite a career in higher education. Right, right. And now at Ithaca College, where... Hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll get to see each other in person. I hope. <laughs> I know. It's going to be thrilling. I, I, I'll know how tall you are. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I have my guesses, but I'm not sure. Right. Um, uh, and um, and just, you know, I, when, when I think about the amount of interaction all of us have had from sort of, you know, kind of the shoulders up, right. I think, my gosh, you know, how much have we missed um, just in terms of a full 360? Um, oh. So. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to come back to campus because I haven't been back on campus since March of 2020, which is a very long time ago, and it feels like an eternity. But it's gonna—I'm excited to actually be back in the Park School and see everybody, and and you know, use all the studios and the and the equipment. Um, and so, coming back to IC, you came back during the right, right, basically when when COVID had started. If I believe correct. Yeah, it was a bold move on my part. I, I actually signed my contract to come back to Ithaca. And, you know, and I think about this so much. I, I think I'm so fortunate. Um, Ithaca recruited me three different times in my career. Um, so how nice to be wanted. Um, but um, 
but I signed my contract um, on the day when um, when it was sort of officially announced nationally that we were in a pandemic. Um, so I thought that was a pretty big, bold move um, to um, decide to change jobs um, right when the pandemic hit. Right. Uh, and, and it's strange to say, but I couldn't be any happier, <laughs> as odd as that sounds. Um, but but I, I feel like I, I'm everybody was in the same boat. You know, I mean, you know, we, we were all having to deal with some substantial, um, substantially demanding um, and challenging situations. Right. And it, it's, it's very true. You know, I think all the professors and advisors being switched to Zoom was was a pretty daunting task to to tell like hey you know you're gonna have to teach from a from your computer for the foreseeable future how did you handle that when they said okay you're gonna have to take all your classes from your home and they, you know you have to learn how to use the share screen and that type of stuff yeah. I, I it, this was an interesting moment for me um and thankfully um, I had been working full-time at Drexel University before I'd gotten recruited back to Ithaca. And I had had the opportunity of teaching online courses at Drexel. Um, that was not, I, I would say that in, in a year, I might've had one or two online courses. And then I was still teaching um, in the classroom for the majority of what I did. But, um, but that really put me well ahead of the curve. Um, it, it didn't come as such a um, assault um, to my sensibilities to have to reorient things. Um, so I, I was very grateful for having had some skill sets in the online environment. Um, it, uh, and, and I think about it a lot now because for someone who would have gone from zero um, to having to do all of their courses online, I, I can't even imagine what a challenge that would have been um, because it, it was um, uh, it was certainly manageable for me, but um, but but it 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 definitely it, it definitely was challenging for sure, yeah. um, and and challenging for the students. You know, I was so mindful of, and and so mindful as we went through the whole cycle of um, just the demands of being on screen um, all day long. Um, uh, uh, the experience of, um, uh, uh, you know, I mean, th just the technical issues around being on screen. Um, do you have good lighting? Um, you know, when we're when we're dealing with bandwidth issues, um, uh, where we have people flickering in and out, you know, all of those all of those things accumulating over time. Um, all of those things were really so much a part of my mindset, um, and I could go on and on, but um, but there's no doubt about it that it that it really you know caused all of us to rethink what we were doing and and to do it very quickly. Yes, sure. it was a very quick transition. I think both for students and professors, it was tough because you know you had some students who maybe didn't have the best. Wi-Fi connection. And so maybe they couldn't get to class and they would miss a couple of classes and all of a sudden they're behind in their schoolwork or they missed a test or, a, you know, an assignment. And it is tough. And then and for professors, it's, you know, do I want to really be on screen and keep these kids on for two hours? You know, I remember I had a class 
uh, I think it was first sem- uh, first semester of my sophomore year, and it was a night class. It was from six to nine thirty at and home, and obviously like that's dinner time between you know six o'clock for me is dinner time, and it's a, and it's a long time to be on a screen. You know, you don't want to be on a screen <laughs> for, for that long. It's very, it's very just a daunting two hours to be. And, and a lot of people, I think uh, I saw a very common theme where a lot of students would tend to turn their screens off mm-hmm. and it's, and, and professors, I guess, and, and you tell us, like, do you think that was a sign of, of disrespect or they didn't care about the class or the coursework or anything like that? Or was it something else? Uh, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question because I, I actually, especially in the fall of 2020, um, I, I spent time asking my students what was going on with the blank screens. And um, I learned so much talking to them um, because, uh, you know, you mentioned dinner time. Sometimes they would be off because they were grabbing meals while they were still listening in. Um, at other times, they just, and, and frankly, I mean, I totally got this one. Um, you know, they would say, you know, we just can't sit for this amount of time. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll click the screen off and then we'll be in the background moving around, um, but we're still listening. Um, at other times, it would just be simply technical issues um, that um, because of bandwidth, they couldn't, um, it, it was, they, they weren't really getting um, what they should have been getting. Um, and so if they click their screen off, then they could at least hear what was going on. Um, and just the sheer amount of time of just having to look um, and, and frankly, to perform. I think anytime we've got a camera on us, um, there, there is a performance element to it, whether, whether it becomes you know, taken for granted or not, it, it, it draws our energy. So all, all of those things were things that we talked about. And then what, what I did with my classes is I gave students permission to do what they needed to do in order to best handle it for themselves. What became challenging for me in that is I was trying to bring energy to blank screens. And, right. and that, that's not a criticism of the students, um, uh, but, it, but, but, but it's just challenging. It's just challenging to have all of that um, you know, blank space and still you know, imagining that there's an audience on the other side. Um, right. uh, so, so there are a lot of challenges with it. You know, if, in an asynchronous environment, um, you know, I've learned over time that um, lengthy lectures don't work. Um, and so what I do is I actually um, break them up into thirds. So if I have a lecture that goes for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, I'll break it up into three different parts so that um, students on the other end don't, don't have to deal with that, with that length of time. Right. But um, but in a synchronous class, you do have to make decisions about how long you're going to have people on, how interactive it's going to be. Um, and frankly, it, it's unrealistic to think that you would have somebody in a class for three and a half hours online without breaks, um, you, you know, and without really acknowledging that it, it is not the same as being in person by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And I think, you know, speaking to having the the video camera on, I think, as you said, it, it is a performance. And for a lot of students, I think sometimes they get nervous or shy because the spotlight's on you, literally. Like if you speak, everyone's looking at your camera. And I think that's another thing where kids tend to turn it off because they don't want to say anything. They don't want to, 
they don't want to participate and that's okay. You know, there's, there's some students that just feel like they can't participate and that's all right. But I remember I had a professor, uh, an environmental professor, and she would make everybody turn their cameras on regardless of embarrassment or anything like that. And she would say it, it was part of the participation. It was, it was a great, if you had your camera on, it was like, like raising your hand in class. And for some people, it was easy. For me, it was, it was, I could keep my camera on no problem, but there were some students who really did struggle having their camera on. And, and you could tell because they wouldn't say anything or their, their lighting was bad. So they were either in a dark room or a very, you know, just not very shaded. Like it was very shaded. So you could, you could see their curtains were closed. It, it is tough. It is very tough. And I, I feel for those kids because it's with, with those classes being online, you know, hopefully now going to Ithaca this, in the fall, that's not going to be <laughs> what it looks like. Hopefully we'll be in, in classrooms and, and whatnot. Well, and, you know, I, I love your point. I love your sensitivity around that gate because um, I, I really thought that there was a lot of that dynamic going on as well in terms of reluctance of just being on camera and being on camera it, it when when you're not comfortable because when when you're when learning's really going on, uh, you know, you should feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I'm I'm really big on asking a lot of questions, and you know, sometimes it gets funny because it, because you know it can be a basic question, and students sort of feel like, you know, well, is this a trap? Like it, it just <laughs> you know it just seems like such a simple answer, but she's asking us this question, and and you know, and sometimes it, 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 it there, there's more to it, right? Um, and so when, when you're already out of your comfort zone to be on camera, and then along with that, you know, um, there, there was a push across the landscape, not just at Ithaca, but at many other places to record um, what was going on in, um, in our live sessions so that for students who, for whatever reason, were not able to be in the class, that they could catch up. But um, I, I actually... Um, I didn't do, I, I actually ignored that directive. Um, I didn't do much of that recording. And if, if there was material that, um, that I felt that students really needed to have, I would actually personally just create a, a separate lecture rather than recording. Beca because I also think that recording environment um, was a deterrent to engagement as well. Um, right. It's one thing in a classroom when you can have a conversation and it's free flowing. And, you know, sometimes you'll say things and part of the learning process, you know, you're processing things out loud and, and, and there are going to be moments when you really want to reel something back in, you know, after you say it, it's sort of like, Oh, now that I've heard myself say that I'm not real comfortable with that myself, but, but in a recording environment, it, it, it's very intimidating. Um, and so, you know, so I think we've learned some lessons um, in terms of online education as well about what we can expect from students, what we can't, um, and, and really constantly rethinking how best to engage students um, to um, increase comfort level to the degree that we can. Um, and of course, at Ithaca, we, we also are so fortunate because we're so committed to really getting to know each other, to being in the classroom, to being together, uh, you know, in, in a real live face-to-face -face environment. Um, and so I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that this moment really tested us 
um, because it just flew in the face of everything that that we you know that we have um, uh, so celebrated um, about our community. Um, so there was also that element as well. Right, and I think you know, speaking just on Ithaca College, you know, the Park School is such a hands-on school. Like everybody, every class that I had freshman year, there was teamwork and people working together. And I think when COVID hit, it, it really had an impact on, on just, just speaking on behalf of the park students, because we love to be in the studio. We love to be in the, you know, going around filming, you know, talking, the Ithaca and everything like that. And I'm happy to see, you know, with everything that Ithaca has done to get somewhat back into a normal space, because I think that's super important. And, and for me as a hands-on learner, it's like, I need to learn by actually, you know, going to the studio, learning how to edit, uh, taking a camera out of, 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 you know, and just going to film. And I think that Ithaca has done a, f- a phenomenal job getting everybody ready to, to come back. And, you know, they've taken the, as many precautions as they can, making sure everyone's vaccinated and wearing a mask. And hopefully the, this, this semester is going to be what it was like when I was a, when I was a freshman, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting back into my office. You know, I mean, right, how, I how strange <laughs> that, you know, I started this new job and I have yet to set foot in park. Um, I have yet to set foot in my office. Um, so, um, uh, and I'm just looking at the calendar here. I think in less than two weeks, I'll finally be, um, you know, back on campus. So I'm really looking forward to that. And right. you're so right about um, just the whole atmosphere in terms of, student engagement um, and uh, working in teams that we have at Ithaca. Um, And I was really impressed this past year with the can-do spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, across the board, you know, I was seeing it from athletes. I was seeing it from our park students. I was seeing it from students um, from uh, health sciences and human performance with students across the board who I engaged with where, you know, they were really trying to make the very best of the situation. Um, But but there were limitations to it um, just in in terms of what what we could accomplish. Um, And I I think we're going to come back with renewed energy. Um, and excitement um, in terms of being back in the spaces that um, really allow us to flourish even more. Right. And I think that 100% as well. I think everybody took, I mean, a lot, I knew a lot, a lot of my friends went back in for the spring semester and they, you know, it was very compromised, but they made the best out of the situation that they were in. And if they can do that with being closed in, in their dorms and, and very few activities going on, I think now they're going to come back with a lot of more energy, a lot more excitement because now everything's open. You know, of course you still have to wear a mask, but there's a lot more stuff going on on campus that is going to really, I think, excite a lot of people. Um, So going on a side note here, as we're closing the show, I wanted to talk to you about something that I thought was very important because you and I are both into the college athletics, into sports. um, And, and, uh, and over the summer, the NCAA, I don't know if you saw this, has let student athletes become basically they can get paid and become affiliated with with sponsors. So I wanted to get your initial thoughts on, on that, because I think that's a huge thing that has been in conversations with college athletes for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, on one hand, what's happened is it um, the 
change that's occurred has actually restored rights to athletes that um, existed um, in the early 1900s that were stripped away by NCAA regulations. So, so it's always difficult for me when I hear people say that, um, that there's been this major reform. Right. Like, this is not major reform. This, this is restoring rights that were stripped away from athletes by the uh, NCAA regulatory system. Um, and in turn, and, and what's really interesting is, and I, I, number one, I'm working on developing a course right now um, on um, on um, NIL, um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to um, uh, to te- I'm hoping I'm going to be able to teach that in the spring. Um, and um, in, in a lot of ways, Division two and Division three athletes had many of these rights to begin with, which is very interesting. That that after you know all of the media coverage about this, division two and three athletes were saying, well, how can we get in on this? And they, they actually already had the opportunity and didn't even know it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of division one, the way that it's being described is it's the wild west right now, um, because <laughs> we have so many different policies, so many different state laws that are dictating how things work. Um, but th- this is actually opening up a free market. Um, and so, um, you know, I think we're going to see much, much more about this. We're seeing a push for um, uh, for um, athlete collective bargaining um, and for um, an athlete um, association or union. Um, and I think you're going to see more and more um, on that front as well. Um, so I could go on and on. <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, I think we have to cut this off now. Um, but, but I will say, if any of your listeners are interested, um, I'm definitely going to be teaching a course on this in the springtime so stay right. tuned. i mean that's very exciting i think your the example of the wild wild west is, is a great example because now it's kind of like a free-for-all because speaking with division one athletes you know you look at schools like ohio state alabama miami you know ucla they have a they, they have a huge income they're they're you know they're speaking just on the football side because it's a very big income for a lot of schools their football programs they make a lot of money and if you and if the student athletes got some of that money, it wouldn't be a bad thing. And actually, I just saw a story a couple of weeks ago about a high school prospect who committed to the university or pardon me, Ohio State University. Yeah. And he's a senior incoming senior. And because of this NCAA rule change, he's actually opted out of his senior year and is going to play at Ohio in the fall because mm-hmm. he's been given a contract. I forget for which uh for which and like for whoever wants to sponsor him for six figures. And he's, <laughs> he's 17 years old. And I mean, w- when you hear that type of, of money being thrown around, so just speaking for the division one side, that's a lot of money for a young person to, to, to be making. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a lot of money. I, I think, but it also speaks to the fact that the college sports system is so dramatically different than um, you know, than this kind of mom and pop um, uh, business, you know, which, which, you know, has been a part of the quaint narrative. Um, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar, dollar global industry. Um, and so, um, so I, I think that the industry is, um, in, in order for it to sustain itself appropriately and, and not engage in exploitative business practices where it um, abuses its labor force, that, that 
that these are the steps that need to be taken to ensure that it's it's um, uh, that that the business is operating in a fair way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of what it is that we're seeing happening right now. Um, right. And of course, you know, we're seeing echoes across the landscape because we've got, you know, we've got this whole dispute right now in terms of the Big 12 and the SEC and ESPN. And, um, you know, there's drama, drama, drama on that front right now. But, um, you know, and it's very interesting in light of the whole Super League um, controversy from the springtime in terms of um, uh, European soccer teams attempting to create a, a super league and having that totally rejected. Right. Um, but, but but here we have um, effectively the same movement um, at the college um, conference level. But all all of that is um, positioning um, around all of these things. Um, so you know it, it's all part of um, the ecosystem, I guess. Right, right. It's it's very true. And I'm excited to see how this plays out in the future with other athletes. And, you know, I'm, I have a, a friend of mine, my brother's friend who just committed to division one school for lacrosse. And mm-hmm. I wonder what his future is going to look like. Is he going to get some paid endorsements because he's going to he's going to go play at the University of Vermont, which is a very high caliber school for lacrosse. So maybe, you know, who, who knows what it's going to be like, but it, I'm I'm happy to see that these athletes are getting what they deserve. And I think, you know, a lot of them make a lot of money for their schools. No, no question. And it's, it's, it's important. I think that these athletes get the recognition that they deserve because they are phenomenal athletes and they do bring a lot to, uh, to the big schools for sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, it's been interesting, you know, the college sport establishment, you know, the executives within the college sports space have argued over and over and over again that, um, uh, that that the reason why um, the labor force needed to be suppressed in terms of value was um, because um, so few of them were going to go pro. You know that was the argument. Right. And um, you know my position on that always was that that isn't that isn't an argument. What that what you're telling us is that you're intentionally suppressing the value of all of these athletes whose prime earning power um, is during the college years, um, and um, and that's effectively what's going on here is that 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 there is now a recognition that athletes have considerable value, and and not only do they have considerable value, but uh, in recognizing that value, that it it will not um, cr- uh, lead to a collapse mm-hmm. in terms of the industry. Um, that that whatever money is going to the athletes is going to go to the athletes. Um, there's still going to be corporation. There are still going to be corporations that are going to buy into. Um, March Madness, um, right. you know, as a distinct property. Um, and I, th- I think we're having to recalibrate and reorient around all those conversations. Right. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I know it's a very, it's a very hot topic and there's a lot to be uncovered with this because it, because it is so new and it just, and the news just kind of broke this past summer, but that mm-hmm. is it for today's show. Ellen, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you coming on and you know, I'm excited to see you at school. I think it's I'm, I'm excited to go back because I haven't stepped foot on the South Hill in over a year. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> it blows wow. my mind. Wow. 
It has been such an honor to be on with you, Gabe. You know, when I think about us meeting each other for the first time, um, you know, you were starting this journey in terms of podcasting and wow, I mean, where you have gone in a year and, and, and the things that you have made out of this time in this moment has just been so incredible. Um, and your commitment to mental health and to helping other people through your podcasting has just been so inspiring. Um, so it's really, it's really an honor to be on with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Alrighty, guys, that is all for today's episode. Huge thanks to Dr. Allen for coming on the show. She is just such an amazing person. I am so grateful she came on to the show. Before we head out, guys, just a couple of quick things I want to say. Huge shout out to Xander Windsor, who created the intro and outro music for this podcast. He's an amazing musician and music producer. So big thanks to him. But with that being said, guys, oh, also just before we go, a quick thing. We'll be coming out with another episode sometime next early next week, so make sure to look out for that. But with that being said, guys, take it easy. Sending all the love and positive vibes your way, and we'll see you guys later.